Welcome to Nashville Anthems, dissecting 80s and 90s country music. And many thanks to Carly and the Lovin' Mama for supplying the theme music for today's episode. On this podcast, we are trying to unravel the mystery of why 80s and 90s country music particularly works by closely examining the songs played on satellite radio's 80s and 90s country station, one at a time. Today, give me half a chance and I'll break down Steve Warner's 1987 hit, Linda. We are finally firmly in the 80s this week, and it's going to be fun. So if you haven't already, I hope you'll pause this podcast right now and give Linda a few close listens. And now let's get into it. First off, as always, let's give some credit where credit is due. Steve Warner released Linda, that's L-Y-N-D-A if you're keeping score at home, in 1987. It was included on his fifth studio album, It's a Crazy World. And as a single, it went to number one on the country charts. Now, Steve Warner is a songwriter. He wrote his duet with Garth Brooks that we covered a few episodes ago, Long Neck Bottle, but he did not write Linda. The songwriters on this one were Bill LeBounty and Pat McLaughlin, and the producer was Tony Brown. Okay, so now let's get into some key features of this song, Linda, that, at least to my ear, make the song what it is. First one I want to get to is guitars, guitars, and more guitars. Now, the instrumentation on Linda starts with bass and drums. They're playing a very steady rhythm, kind of in the background. More on all that in a moment. And beyond that, you have, at any given time, one, two, or even three electric guitars. They're super bright, super prominent, very upfront in the mix. And nothing else. This is a rock band lineup. It's all bass, drums, and electric guitar, and vocals. There's no fiddles, no steel guitar, no piano. Yeah. Okay, I feel like I may hear an acoustic guitar in there sometimes, too, actually, down in the mix, but I'm not sure. It's kind of hard to dig it out of the various guitar sounds that are happening. So since I'm not sure the acoustic guitar is there, I'm just going to stick with the guitars I am sure are there, and that's the three electric guitars. So those multiple interplaying electric guitars fill the spaces and play the roles that some of these other instruments often play. Let's unpack that a little bit more. So I'm just going to say, it's a delight to listen to this song a few times on repeat. It just really listen closely to all those guitar parts and how they interplay. I recommend this. It's good running music, too. I recommend doing this while running. Take it from me. So I'm going to describe some of what I hear going on here. So first, as I said, I'm pretty sure there are not one, not two, but three electric guitars all playing at the same time on this song, at least in some of the choruses and in instrumental breaks. Now, that's unusual, even for rock and roll. Usually, a rock band has one guitarist who plays some rhythm and some lead. Think Green Day, Nirvana, or Motley Crue. Those bands are all set up like this. Or two guitarists, one of whom plays rhythm and one of whom plays lead. It's a very common setup. Think Def Leppard, Guns N' Roses, Aerosmith, Rolling Stones, The Beatles most of the time, Pearl Jam. The list kind of goes on and on because, like I said, this is sort of a standard rock band setup. And that setup is common for country, too, except the rhythm guitar is typically acoustic rather than electric in country music, but it's not unusual for it to be electric. But three guitars is not common. Leonard Skinner was famous for this, and the Eagles did it sometimes, and I'm I'm sure there are others, but suffice it to say, it's just not common. And I certainly can't name another country song with three guitars playing at the same time like this. 
Maybe we'll encounter another as we keep going. Who knows? Okay, now I'm pretty sure at least one of these guitars, probably the lead on the solos, is Steve Warner. I can't say I know that for sure, but I found a live performance where Warner is definitely playing lead, and it sounds very much like the lead part on the recording. Steve Warner is also just a legendary guitar player, so it would be odd if he wasn't playing those solos in his own songs. Uh, your guess is as good as mine on the other two guitars, though. It may be Warner himself, for all I know, or maybe a couple of studio pros. Maybe one's Warner, one's a studio musician. Don't know. Just couldn't find those credits. So, what are all these guitars doing? This is a guitar song. The lyrics are pretty much set dressing. The bass and drums are just making sure there's a framework for the guitars to play around in. But the guitars are absolutely what make this song. But as far as function, I'm hearing something like this. As I said, they're up to three, and they're not that hard to untangle, really, if you're wearing headphones or earbuds, because they're panned separately. Anyway, in the first verse, there's just one guitar, and it's playing a fairly simple rhythm part on beats two and four. It's called the backbeat. We'll talk more about that later. I woke up screaming this morning. I said, And as I mentioned, pretty much every country song has a rhythm guitar. It's usually acoustic, but electric guitar, again, is not uncommon in country music. But I would say the strumming pattern here is pretty uncommon. When I think country rhythm guitar, I think of the lead vocalist just strumming down on one, two, three, four, and up on the upbeat of each beat. Just that back and forth, back and forth, wrist and arm motion, always just letting it ring, and not really thinking much about the rhythm that he or she is playing so that the singer can just concentrate more on the vocal performance. But what Warner, or whoever's playing it, is doing on this rhythm part is something more like honky-tonk piano. You kind of picture someone hitting one and three with the left hand and chording two and four on the right, kind of like this. And you hear how those strums don't ring, right? kind of choppy, they're, they're clipped on the end. So it's really this super percussive rhythm guitar style playing this backbeat that really is the rhythmic life of the song. And we'll get more into that concept of the backbeat in a minute. But once the chorus starts in, we're up to two electric guitars. And he again, I think I may hear an acoustic guitar also playing rhythm at this point, but it's hard to say. But with the electric guitar that joins... We get the addition of this lead guitar part with lots of little licks and fills in the vocal holes. Linda, do you want to dance? Linda, give me half a chance. Linda. It's similar to what we talked about Jimmy Olander doing with Diamond Rio. And what the electric guitar was doing also in the song I'm Gonna Be Somebody. And it's a role that we often get from fiddle on a song like this. You can almost hear that in your head, right? I don't see no ship going under. Don't hear no the song is almost screaming for fiddle, but it never happens because this song is a guitar feature, pure and simple. Now, the second verse continues that backbeat rhythm guitar and similar to the chorus, but more understated, it, it adds two of these super tasty licks, which again, I think are probably courtesy of Warner himself. Then you've got the first instrumental break, 
which is almost certainly a Steve Warner guitar solo backed by bass drums and two electric guitars. So we're up to the three guitars now. And in this case, it's that rhythm guitar backbeat that basically continues throughout the song, Warner solo, and a second, a little bit more down in the mix lead guitar that's playing licks in between Warner's licks, just like it was filling gaps in the vocal part earlier. And the interplay between these guitars, especially those dual lead guitars, is really a sonic delight. The rhythm guitar is panned to the right. One of the lead guitars is panned to the left. And the other is kind of more panned to the middle. You can kind of close your eyes and see those guitars positioned around you like that. And just listen for that interplay because it's, it's awesome. It's a lot of fun. So the only other thing I want to mention about the guitars occurs on the third and final verse. And here, I think this is an electric guitar with some effects on it, but I may be wrong. What happens is, you know, the rhythm part on the backbeat continues as it has for the whole song. And you have this, I, I think, other guitar that plays chords, and it's doing some slides and things like that. And unlike the pure rhythm guitar, it lets those chords ring. So this is doing something like what a pedal steel guitar often does on a country song, kind of laying the harmonic pad while the rhythm guitar contributes to the rhythmical framework that the vocals and the lead guitars inhabit. So the bottom line on Linda is you've got a great guitar player in Steve Warner taking the opportunity to feature great guitar playing on one of his songs, showing off the versatility of the instrument by letting it do what other instruments commonly do on country songs and still have the song sound unmistakably country. But hold on. Why is that? Why does a song with so many rock and roll elements sound country? Well, that has to do with the second key feature I want to get to. We've already alluded to it a couple of times, but that's the song's backbeat and how it's executed. First off, what exactly do I mean by a backbeat? Well, simply put, a backbeat in a song that's in 4-4 time, as this one is in most country rock and pop songs are, that lays rhythmic emphasis on beats two and four of every measure. It's something that's so common in all popular Western music in our lifetimes that we don't really think about it. It's this part of how everything you hear on the radio sounds that is so common and so fundamental that you almost can't pick it out. But I'm talking about that basic 4-4 drum pattern of bass drum on one and three. Now that's not the backbeat. A snare drum on two and four. That's the backbeat. And you almost can't imagine popular music without that, right? Jazz, rock, pop, R&B, hip-hop, country, they all do it pretty much all the time. But classical music doesn't. In classical music, typically beats one and three are strong, and two and four are much weaker. And having a backbeat doesn't necessarily mean that beats two and four are as strong as one and three. Those remain typically the strongest beats in any 4-4 measure. But it does mean that those beats get a rhythmic kick and punch, an emphasis that they didn't have for Bach. Okay, Melton, you say, if a backbeat is so common in popular music, why is it a key feature of Steve Warner's 1987 number one hit, Linda, with a Y? I'm glad you asked. Because in Linda, I'd argue that the backbeat is as strong as, if not stronger than... I don't know what you call the opposite of the backbeat, the front beat. Let's just call it one and three. In Linda, the backbeat is every bit as prominent, if not more so, than beats one and three. How does that work? Well, 
The snare hits on two and four on the backbeat, like it kind of always does, but it's on the light side. It's not really that strong of a backbeat on the snare. But that rhythm guitar part that we were talking so much about previously absolutely brings out the backbeat on this song. One, by being so ubiquitous in the song, but really more by how prominent it is in the mix. You just don't hear rhythm guitar featured like this in music much, like you do on Linda. It's loud and bright enough to cut through the lead guitar parts, and it just relentlessly dominates that right channel. So because it's such a dominant part of the track, that rhythmic pattern we talked about earlier is itself accentuated in a major way. So that's one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, with that heavy backbeat. And it's really the rhythmic lifeblood of the song. It's like sitting in a rocking chair with someone behind you, jerking you back every time you gently rock forward. That's the heavy backbeat of Linda. The vocals contribute as well. Obviously, the vocal hook is Warner's high tenor on that F sharp on Linda. Not Linda, right? But Linda. One, two. Linda, do you want to dance? Linda. So, back to the question. Why does this sound like country and not rock and roll? Well, the first thing I would point to is something we talked about a lot in the first Diamond Rio episode. And that's the idea of twang. Twang is the country hallmark of bending and scooping pitches, common in country vocal and guitar parts. Now, notably, Steve Warner's vocals are not twangy. He sings in a straight, pure, blue-eyed soul style. But the guitars sure are. The rhythm guitar is even twangy. That certain choppy bite it has on those backbeats, and it does some cool slides and things like that too. It's a rhythm part with a lot of personality, if not really attitude, like you might associate with rock and roll, especially in 1987. But the twang is really over the top on the lead guitar. It's the bendy Jimmy Olander Telecaster country style, and it's all over the lead guitar part. There's hardly a straight pitch in the bunch. There's some jazz and some old-school R&B fluence in that style, to be sure. But this much twang, this heavy and prevalent version of it with a bright, undistorted tone like that, I think only shows up in country music. And it situates the song very much in that genre, regardless of what is happening around it. But there are things happening around it that contribute to the countryness of the song. And here I would point to the light, understated rhythm section the bass guitar and drums, especially in contrast to the loud, assertive rhythm guitar part. So the bass part is a very straight, basic pattern, rocking back and forth between the root and fifth degree of each chord, same as the bass part in the left hand of the piano, and the devil went down to Georgia. The bass emphasizes 1 and 3 by playing on 1 and 3, kind of a typical bass guitar thing, matching the bass drum. It's a bit down in the mix, and it's just kind of a steady inside-the-box bass line that doesn't enter the fray with these dueling electric guitars at all. Contrast that with something like Duff McKagan's bass playing of that era with Guns N' Roses, which was a more lick-heavy, driving kind of bass part. And the drums keep it simple, too, and light. The snare backbeat on this song is pretty unassuming, really. The drummer seems happy to let the rhythm guitar do that work. There are also some 
awful electronic thom sounds that we'll just ignore. But suffice it to say that the drums, like the bass guitar, just keep it understated and simple to give the electric guitars plenty of support and space to show out. Again, contrast this to the rock and roll of the late 80s. Think Stephen Adler's drumming on those same Guns N' Roses tracks. His style was lively, it was driving, it was groovy. And the style on Linda is really none of those things. So between the twangy guitars and understated rhythm sections staying out of those guitars' way, you've got yourself a fun little 80s country song and a nice country guitar showcase that's right in Steve Warner's wheelhouse. Now, we only talked about two key features because they're just so dominant in his song, the guitars and the backbeat. But there's more noteworthy stuff going on here that we didn't really talk about. So I'm going to introduce a new element in Nashville anthems. I don't know how often we'll return to this, but it seemed appropriate here for some reason. We're going to do honorable mention. So first honorable mention goes to the lyrics. I mentioned they're really just set dressing to hold this instrumental guitar feature together somehow, and I think that's true, but there's nothing wrong with these lyrics. They're simple, they're fun, and we're left only to speculate on what Linda Carter thought about that last verse. Now, the other honorable mention is how obviously influential this song was on popular country artists who came shortly hereafter. And I'm specifically thinking about Brad Paisley and Vince Gill here. Realizing that Brad Paisley is really more of an Autis figure, such that Warner's influence here kind of leapfrogged the 90s to get to him. But the way the guitars function on Linda sounds very much like the way they function on Brad Paisley records that would come later. I know that Paisley is explicit about Warner's influence on at least one song, but after hearing this, he doesn't really have to be. Listen to Linda and listen to anything where Brad Paisley is playing guitar and you won't be able to unhear the connection. But as far as influence, even more evident to me is the link to Vince Gill. Now, I started to feel this a little when we were talking about the prevalence of male vocal twang in 80s and 90s country in a previous episode, and I had mentioned Gill and Warner as notable exceptions to that. Now that we've deep-dived on both of those guys, the similarities are really smacking me in the face. First off, Gill's smooth tenor is highly reminiscent of what Warner does on this song. But then the guitars also. Really, it's just that whole package. Listen to Gil's song, One More Last Chance, and see if you see what I mean. She was standing at the front door, and I came home last night. In fact, maybe that song will come up for us on Nashville Anthems, and we can dig into that idea a little more. But for now, let's unplug and pack up our guitars and see what we'll be looking at next week. I'm going to pull up Satellite Radio's 80s and 90s country station right now and see what's playing. The artist is Alan Jackson, going back to him, and the name of the song is I'll Try. I look forward to getting into that one with you in two weeks. In the meantime, you can email me at meltonmainerberry at gmail.com or find National Anthems on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Play us out, Carly the Loving Mama. I gotta go. I hear lightning.